Afroverdict, brought to you by Sputnik Africa. Welcome to the Afroverdict podcast with your host, Victor Anakin. Today's episode is dedicated to World Cities Day, which is celebrated annually on October the 31st. This day recognizes the role of urbanization as a driver of economic development and social progress and promotes cooperation among cities to achieve sustainable development goals and address global challenges. In this episode, I'm joined by Annelise De Bruyne, manager of Cape Town City's Metro Spatial Planning and Growth Management. And I want to talk about Cape Town as an example of progress in urban development. Cape Town has just under 5 million people. So what urbanization practices can work for one of the world's most beautiful cities? And now that BRICS countries are interacting at a deeper level, how can their cooperation be useful for urban development? These are but some of the things we're going to talk about. So tune in to hear Annelies' insights and experiences of managing urban growth in Cape Town. Annelien, thanks for joining me today. Could you please tell our listeners a bit more about what you do? I am Annelies de Brain. I am a manager in the local authority of the city of Cape Town, and I am dealing with metropolitan spatial planning and urban growth management. Annelien, thank you once again. Today we are observing World Cities Day, and in this regard, which achievements in Cape Town's urban development could you point out as the most successful? So, okay, so um, the kind of things that Cape Town deals with um, in the urban development space, I think um, Cape Town as, as one of the South African cities are obviously dealing with urban development in, in a way that uh, that is somewhat related to what the European and um, American cities have uh, developed, and that is that we have um, a system of the uh, sort of respect for land, land ownership, and land rights. And I think uh, those are one of the most successful uh, benefits of the South African land uh, and law system, and it, it plays a very important role in how a city develops. It is very different from many other African cities where there is um, land is not owned by people in person, often small blocks of land owned by people. And there are lots and large tracts of state land not owned by a single person. So the Cape Townian and many other South African cities have private land rights and private land ownership. There are obviously large tracts of government land um, uh, and there are other cities in South Africa that has tr- lots of tribal land. But in Cape Town, there are no tribal land. And therefore, I think one of the benefits uh, of, of how the city is growing and how we are dealing with urban development comes from this position that we are uh, trying to respect people's land ownership and their land rights. So we have lots of systems in which we manage this land rights and land ownership. And obviously, that affects how the building uh, environment looks like and how we manage urban growth and urbanization. Um, we do have obviously a lot of influx of immigration of people from Africa and other provinces who, um, who are coming to Cape Town because they want to uh, get access to all the economic benefits and to the benefits of a local government that's working well and providing water electricity services to them. So we have large uh, growth in uh, in urban urbanization. We also, um, Cape Town also, because it's at the southern point of the continent, it is surrounded by seas almost, and therefore we have also a variety of other little towns 
uh, just outside the municipal boundary, which are receiving a lot of immigration, whether that's people who wants to come and retire or whether it's people from other provinces who are looking for jobs. Um, the whole region is under a massive pressure for um, people who want to come and find housing, services and jobs or training and education. Um, so apart from uh, the pressures generated by local South Africans, we also have uh, quite a variety of international constant visitors, whether they are coming to buy houses, whether they're coming to international events or conferences, or whether they are uh, digital nomads that work here and use our Airbnb. So we, we do have um, those segments of the market also, and that also affects how we manage urban growth um, in Cape Town. So apart from the system of planning, which is how we manage land rights, we also uh, try to plan forward quite a bit. We have what we call a land use a policy and spatial strategy documents like the municipal spatial development framework and the district spatial development frameworks, also local spatial development frameworks. And those products give a vision to from an earth level to a precinct level to a neighborhood level to a district and a city level, what would we want us to have this built environment look like? So these uh, plans are generated by communities themselves, by local government representatives, and, and they consist of the vision for the built environment. So we repeat these plans every five years uh, and refresh it. Uh, we also have um, an annual system where the local government's budget is made public and where citizens can give input on what they want to see in projects being undertaken. So that, that makes... Uh, uh, quite an important contribution to how citizens are involved in their uh, in the development of this city. Another thing that we have is um, we have a quite a low level of representation on local government level. So we have lots of ward councillors, lots of, lots of councillors that get elected by the constituents, and they are then representatives of the citizenry, and they are part of the decision making. Um, roles in the local government. So these uh, community representatives are informally established positions in the city and they actively participate in vote for, for how the budget gets spent, which projects get undertaken, and they are on all sorts of review committees um, that m helps the local government to undertake the right kind of projects that's important for citizens. The city also has, apart from the spatial strategies and the integrated development framework, which are these annual plans and the budgets, those plans also I think what's interesting is they are a performance monitored. So every person in the city is agreeing with its management and up the chain up to the city manager and the political leaders. Everybody agrees on the targets for the year ahead. And there's a very strong uh, system where targets are made public and uh, every department's business plan is made public and, it's a, and the, the leadership is held accountable. So the top 300 or 500 uh, members in this municipality are, are fairly responsible, and some of them are on performance contracts, so you can lose your job if you don't reach your target. So there's a very strong um, statutorily ob obliged um, system of monitoring people's performance and making sure they do their jobs. Uh, and these things also are, are available for uh, the communities to, to see, and you know, every quarter people need to declare their targets and whether they achieved it or not and so on. So that's quite an important part to make sure local government staff are actually doing their job. Um, another thing is that the city, um, the metro, as well as its provincial government, are working very closely together. 
They have uh, two very important strategies. The one is called the Inclusionary Economic Growth Strategy, and that and there's also a social growth strategy. And these strategies also have implementation plans and monitoring and evaluation mechanisms. So through that, the public can check that the local government is doing what it said it's going to do in deploying the strategies instead of committing. So I think that all helps us to develop Cape Town um, to where it is and going forward. And if we speak about particular urban development projects, which of them could you point out as being of top priority nowadays in Cape Town? Yeah, so I think um, if we can simply divide this into two categories. So on the non-residential investments and land development, I think there are about five or six uh, really important uh, projects. The one is that we um, have a green tech special, special economic zone in Atlantis that was declared, and we are uh, building uh, a very strong focus on attracting uh, businesses in the renewable energy uh, and in the green tech space. Um, and so that is a very exciting development for Cape Town. It is obviously marketed internationally, and we're looking forward um, to, to host many more investors. The, the, the zone is uh, quickly filling up with developments and, um, yeah, it's going very well there. We also have uh, quite a strong focus on the facilitation of international financial management and a business processing uh, kind of businesses. So we, we are known to be a city hosting around 150 call centers around uh, from around the world, providing services for companies around the world. And um, I think that that's a very strong a message about uh, Cape Townians' abilities to uh, to work across cultures, to be in the service industry, to serve people from other countries, even from our country. So that is also a, a very strong um, strategy in our youth employment um, focus. We also, because we are located in uh, surrounded by agricultural areas, we have quite a lot of vineyards, orchards, and and fruit export is very important to us as well as winemaking. So these kind of, uh, any development that relates to the optimization of farms and the tourism business, uh, boutique hotels and, and downstream um, economic activities that relates to the agricultural sector is very important uh, and, and gets a lot of attention. We also uh, make space in our urban areas specifically for the manufacturing of clothing, textiles and footwear. Uh, as you know, there's a, a strong a historical um, a skill set in, in Cape Town and South Africa um, that we still try to ignite and optimize again. There's also a very uh, strong and growing attention to event and, and uh, event and sport management. So as you know, Cape Town is known for its fantastic weather, its uh, beautiful scenery, its rural landscape, and we have a lot of large, large-scale international events related to, to you know, whether it's cycle trucks or running events or all sorts of um, outdoor-related, um, you know, events, sport-related events, um, and especially, you know, for bike riding and those kind of things, it's really, really a growing and, um, and important destination. So a lot of our development focus of the urban area is around that. And then we, we have um, fantastic waterfronts because we are surrounded by so much of sea and water, international conferences, and uh, Victoria and Alfred Waterfront, uh, as well as other such is really a, a growing interest in terms of how we manage the city as a total. And then because of our location at the southern point of Africa, we're still very strong in freight and logistics, the export of uh, all of our um, natural resources. Um, yeah, so tourism is really large in terms of non-development. We do a lot of boutique hotels, Airbnb, specific kind of uh, unique hotels, uh, township tourism and 
and development that relates to uh, to the facilitation of of any kind of business that can employ people um, and where people can showcase their skills. Uh, from a residential point of view, um, I would say that the tourism accommodation uh, market is really growing. There is a variety of um, uh, types of tourism accommodation, whether it's rented or bought owned. We have quite a strong uh, digital nomadic accommodation market. Student accommodation is very large in the metropolitan nodes. Um, and then we have obviously internationally co uh, comparative luxury uh, accommodation on the Atlantic seaboard. I mean, you would have seen how fantastic um, the sea views are on most of our coastline. I mean, the city is surrounded by three. Three of its quadrants have coastline. Um, yeah, so then uh, dealing with the mass um, urbanization, we're also very keen to create opportunities for small-scale rental units where people, everybody who owns a piece of land uh, would be able to provide a second or third unit. And so we are having specific strategies to develop that market. Um, that brings us to the last point, which is there's a, there's a fairly high interest because of the growing um, urbanization and the, the urban development that there's quite an interest in, in flat complexes or condominiums um, that's owned by, by local residents or foreigners. So the development of medium to high residential blocks with very, very good sea views are a very um, important strategy of, of how we deal with urban, urban development. Well, it certainly does look like Cape Town is the place to go. Annalene here described South Africa's mother city way better than I could, and that really brought back some memories. I remember I was in Cape Town just last year, and it was quite the contrast from Moscow. You know, with a plane lifting off from one of Moscow's airports, the trees were already naked, and the landscape was under a blanket of white snow. And then 16 hours later, I landed in Cape Town International Airport, and immediately, I felt that warm breeze from around Table Mountain hit my face. I managed to capture that stark contrast very well. But back to Cities Day, Cape Town, being a prime example of urban planning and development, could surely be a role model for the rest of South Africa. However, that marvel does come with its own challenges, I'm sure. So sit back and join me in further exploring Cape Town City with Annalene here on Afrovertic, brought to you by Sputnik Africa. Annalene, please do tell us which urbanization practices could be borrowed from Cape Town by other cities in South Africa and elsewhere. Yeah, I think as Cape Town specifically proud itself, as you may know, that um, we are one of the six biodiversity concentrations in the world. So one of the six biospheres um, and biomes. So we have very, very unique, um, the flora floristic kingdom of the Proteas and the Ericas and these uh, local vegetation are only found in the Cape Town area. So I think one of our most important determinants of how we manage uh, how the city will grow is to protect that specific biodiversity because once these um, vegetations are destroyed by urban development, we will never get it back. And these flowers and plants are only found at the southern point of Africa. So biodiversity protection is number one. Number two is we do spend a lot of time and effort to protect our agricultural resources. That, that is our agricultural land surrounding the metropolitan area. It's very important for food production, uh, for our vineyards and our winemaking, which is our core um, kind of 
component in the economic sector. And also, because these farms are so old, they, uh, many of them have world heritage status or very specific cultural historical value. So we spend a lot of time protecting that those historical assets um, and developing them for the tourism industry or for local residents, um, yeah, which then complements our cultural diversity. Another thing uh, we do as Cape Town is that we do not only depend on our national government or national departments providing statistics for us. I mean, as a local government, we spend quite a lot of time undertaking our own surveys and assessments for our own planning documents. And I think that's something that would be very helpful for other cities in Africa. Um, another interesting thing Cape Town is doing is it is completely revolutionizing its customer interface. So if you can imagine, we get a lot of um, new arrivals from different countries in Africa or from other uh, provinces in South Africa. And these citizens uh, become our citizens. They are not all um, educated that well and they not have very exceptional skills. There is a large segment of the market who arrives here who choose Cape Town as their um, destination and their new place of living. And they, they come as highly skilled and trained and educated. But there's also a large contingent of people arriving in Cape Town who are not that well skilled and who comes from poorer um, provinces, and they need jobs, they need training, and so on. So to engage them and to make them part of the economy is quite a challenge, but it's also a huge opportunity. So Cape Town is spending a lot of time um, improving uh, the digital platforms it engages its citizens with, whether they are permanent citizens or temporary citizens, um, So to, to progress them. So, for example, many of the new arrivals need public health. So to engage in public health, you can't sit in queues anymore. You need to have booking systems. People need to find your files. So uh, the whole public health and the public school system is changing so that it becomes more digitalized and um, more focused on a user experience and efficiency. So that's another third thing Cape Town is doing. I think um, a fourth thing that that's not unique to Cape Town, but I think Cape Town is spending quite a bit of time on it, is to, to make sure that we have very good local um, representation, political representation from community-based organizations that need to register their names at their sub-council, uh, ward councillors that are standing up as their leaders in the communities that get elected by their citizens. They belong to a system of sub-council management, NGO management, and they are part of active uh, decision-making. And when we have uh, big strategies or plans, we also are forced to do quite a lot of public participation so that all of our citizens, all of the businesses in the community, all of the NGOs, CBOs in that community can participate in these planning processes and give their views. So I think that is a, a, a very important point. If you lose your citizens and they feel like they're just living here and the local government is not caring about them or not engaging them or not allowing or inviting them to be part of a system of collaborative planning, this city is cannot go forward without its citizens. So I think deep, um, rooted levels of political and technical representation and a system where people are participating in processes over them. And what urban development challenges do municipal authorities of Cape Town face and how can these challenges be overcome? Yeah, so I think I've mentioned already we have large urbanization um, with people that expect to get uh, lots of jobs here or business opportunities. They also then expect to get houses 
or accommodation and education and health. And that puts quite a lot of pressure on our local and provincial government provided uh, services. So I think what the uh, what it, what is the strength of Cape Town is that we, as a metropolitan government, uh, which is a local government in South Africa, together with our provincial government um, that deals with with our metro and many other cities and towns around us, they uh, put a significant amount of effort into initiatives where there are multiple programs dealing with youth education and training, um, and and also. Uh, making sure that there's large internship programs so that uh, businesses who are operating here or or even the local government makes provision to include lots of interns and young graduates uh, or other kinds of processes where youth can join a workplace so that they can get experience, exposure, go for training, get a bursary or get a graduation or after graduation get a professional um, registration at the at professional institute. So there's a lot of focus on youth employment programs. Another interesting thing the local government is doing is a strong focus on innovation, innovation pricing, innovation across different sectors, innovation summits, um, and and the, the, especially the mayor of Cape Town is very strong in uh, in this because this uh, innovation is actually required on in all economic sectors, not only in the financial services and management or manufacturing but also in yeah in all the other sectors um another thing Cape Town is doing is I think I explained that we are strongly growing our green economy and technology focus um and there's a strong effort by the local government to involve as many as possible residents who owns a piece of land to provide um solar energy back into the electricity grid I think that is a really, really creative way in which uh, the municipality is trying to deal with the energy deficit, but also to make citizens part of the solution, and and therefore solar generation on rooftops or on properties are now possible, and you connect and you can sell your electricity back to the local government. That is a really uh, creative and innovative approach by the local government. Um, yeah, I think the city also is known to make quite a lot of long-term plans for optimization of its own land. As you know, um, in, in South Africa and in Africa, many, um, yeah, not many local governments, but government sometimes owns large tract of land that has been land bank long time ago, but it's not very optimally used. So Cape Town is in a program of optimizing its local government-owned land and putting a lot of pressure on the provincial government and the national government to also optimize their land and their assets that's in their portfolios. And specifically, the focus in Cape Town is about releasing these land parcels for social and affordable housing. And the uh, sort of sentiment behind it is that we have certain CBDs, which are known to be the employment centers, but people are residing quite far from it. So the idea about making government land available is to curb the big uh, directional move of employees to certain central business districts in the morning and back at night. And so that uh, there is definitely an effort to, to make well-located land available for housing closer to job opportunities. There's a massive, massive investment um, ongoing in Cape Town um, for uh, the uh, a mass bus transport system called the My City, which will connect the poorer communities to the employment centers. And that 
is not only um, reorganizing the road system over a very long period, I mean, five to 10 years of road construction programs to connect uh, communities to employment opportunities, but also working creatively with the minibus taxi industry to come up with uh, systems in which uh, the minibus industry, which is a privately provided sort of mass public transport system, how they can uh, be part of the solution uh, to move people between where they are residing and where their employment opportunities are. Um, yeah, and I think the other thing that, that Cape Town is good is, I think I explained that we have a very strong focus on performance management, so goal setting and performance management. And um, and they are, for, through all the levels of the government, the local government staff are held accountable and have to uh, provide evidence and it's made public of how you are setting your target and how you are achieving. And Aline, and finally, how could cooperation within the BRICS platform help exchange best urbanization practices. Are there any examples particularly of Cape Town participating in such cooperation? Yeah, I think Cape Town has a, Cape Town as a metropolitan local government has um, about 30,000 staff in about 14 directorates. Uh, and these directorates all have, in a way, their own um, connection to, to the international counterparts. But there's also the Department of International Development that is associated with this, the mayor's office. And this department is setting up quite detailed um, agreements with other countries and cities in the world um, for learning exchanges, for, for conferences or, uh, or sort of projects in which we collaborate to exchange um, best practices for, for anything from our international water strategy. Oh, well, our water strategy now got an international focus uh, and, and got support from certain international role players and similarly our spatial strategy on how we manage the urban development. But in terms of the BRICS countries, um, obviously the uh, the big conferences that get held every now and again, uh, some of our staff go there to present. Um, and we also have these um, collaborative agreements with certain cities um, in, the, in the BRICS group. So I think the BRICS group is very interesting for Cape Town uh, because we are moving uh, kind of away from being a, a purely European cities that, that only has formal development. As you may know well, Cape Town is, is having a lot of informal development where people arrive and they stay in informal settlements where they just... Uh, and in an unauthorized way, occupy land, um, and they, whether it's privately owned or government owned, they just put up a small temporary um, accommodation or a, a shelter where they stay. And this, the government is working, the, the Cape Town municipality is working very hard to provide them with water, uh, sanitation, and waste removal. Um, but they still live in in an in an environment where they're not in a formal, formally owned, they don't formally own the land. So they, they, they occupy the land in an unauthorized way. This is very difficult for us to deal with because our planning systems are not yet geared towards that. Uh, we, we have a municipal planning bylaw and the development management scheme, which are very much based on um, European examples, and that manages the formal environment. But the informal environment where people are just um, Informally living on somebody else's land in a temporary structure is difficult to manage. So this phenomenon is also much more available in some other 
of the BRICS countries. Um, and and we we are, are exchanging ideas on how we can learn from them. Um, so basically, I think the first commonality would be uh, informality is really growing in uh, in some of the BRICS countries. Another um, interesting thing for us is the, um, especially in the Chinese context, the the large population in in countries like China and the fact on how they deal with with mass urbanization and how they deal with providing accommodation for people are something that Cape Town is not really um, mimicking exactly. We are not using exactly the strategy. We are not building very high uh, condominiums and mass state housing projects on multiple floors or 20 and 30 floors, and we're not putting people into small flats. That model of providing housing for the poor is not really developed in South Africa, um, and therefore we, we do have quite a lot of informal uh, settlements, but certainly we can learn from uh, that method to see if we, if we shouldn't provide uh, is there any way we can work with our housing code so that our subsidy scheme can be adjusted so that we can provide a more um, decent housing? Um, I think that's something we can learn from China. I mean, obviously, in terms of the Russian connection, uh, considering that Russia is the country with the third most or the fourth most uh, number of nuclear reactors, also Cape Town has two nuclear reactors, so apart from the U.S., uh, France, I mean, China has the largest number of nuclear reactors. So we are obviously uh, the only city in Africa that has two nuclear reactors for energy provision. And we are uh, we would be looking for uh, examples on how we can manage the environment around our nuclear reactors and disaster management and those kind of things would be something uh, we have in common um, for the ener- for, for the, you know the effort towards energy uh, stability in South Africa. Um, the the commonality we have with other countries like India is the, the growing population and that it's mostly the new arrivals are mostly uh, poorer households and they don't have car ownership. So mass uh, public transport and also um, allowing the minibus taxi or privately provided um, public transport is an important commonality we have with the Indian context. And they have BRTs and, and well functioning rail systems that's been there from the colonial days. And I think our rail system in Cape Town is almost collapsing and there's a very, very strong effort from the mayor and the local authority to reignite the rail system so that we can have a more efficient and cheaper movement of people between where they live and where their houses are, or where their jobs are. So I think um, uh, rail system rejuvenation is also something that we would be are very keen on and, and do we have in common with, with these other countries. Annaline, thank you for this magnificent tour. I honestly can't wait till I get back and get a chance to be embraced by Cape Town's unique atmosphere and vibe. In regards to the problems Annaline mentioned with Cape Town's railway, Honestly, there's such a difference between that and Moscow's underground. I bring this up often with my South African colleagues and buddies who've been to Moscow and they literally all glorify the railway network in Russia's capital. Living here, you generally don't need a vehicle really. It is the epitome of efficiency. I think having something similar in Cape Town would be really amazing. 
You know, I recall taking the train to my aunt's house. Uh, she lived in Fisher back then, a suburb some distance away from Cape Town's uh, CBD. And it's located on a hill with the ocean at the foot of the mountain. A really gorgeous place. So while you're on the train, the last two train stations are basically on the beach directly. And as you fly through the city, the scenery, oh man, is just breathtaking. And once the ocean breeze hits your face, then, then you know you're in one of the best spots in the world, one of the best cities in the world, because you're in Cape Town. Dear listeners, if you miss something, go ahead and re-listen to this podcast on any platform of your choosing. You can choose between Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Deezer, Podcast Addict, AfriPods, Pocket Cast, as well as CastBox. For the latest highlights on significant events happening across the continent and globally, be sure to visit our Sputnik Africa Telegram channel, TikTok account, and other social media. If you don't like constantly tapping links and opening new tabs on your device, then simply download the Sputnik Africa application. It's user-friendly and will save you both time and effort. That's all for today's episode, and I really look forward to seeing you all next time. Happy Cities Day to everybody. Afro Verdict, brought to you by Sputnik Africa.